this choice choice. It is disingenuous. Wars, wars, The situation now is even worse. Flood is not about the poverty line. Hello, I'm Matt. Welcome to the Floodcast. Today I will be doing an entire episode on lockdown without ever actually telling you what my position is on the lockdowns. It's the only acceptable take. Welcome it's the only the way you can get cast. not cancelled. Yeah. All right. What are we talking about? Oh, who are we and what are we talking about? <laughs> Matt's already introduced himself. That's oh, true. But, but, oh, yeah. sound like dog shit. Um, anyway, I'm Declan. We're, t- we're stopping the cuckdowns today. <laughs> um, I'm Joe. We're talking... We're going to do a lockdown episode where I'm 100% sure we're going to offend um, many of our listeners in one direction or the other. Um, I'm Matt and I'm not going to offend anyone because I'm a good boy. So you guys can handle all of that. I'm a good boy and I will not be... Uh, everyone is going to like me at the end of this. I'm going to please everyone. That's my political goal. Um yeah, where are we going to start? Well, I think because Americans have and British people have finally noticed that like there's something kind of different happening in Australia in the way that we're going about lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some like pretty pearl clutchy discourse about like that's that's clearly kind of doesn't really read any Australian journalists. Um, some like that Californian guy Connor, what's his thing? Wrote some fucking dead shit piece where he like made claims that weren't really like backed up by the world. Yeah, um, like what I've noticed basically it seems that in recent weeks something has ticked over in the brains of Americans where they've started looking at the Australian lockdowns. They all seem to think that it's I've noticed a lot of people saying that state-run quarantine facilities are concentration camps, which I believe to not be true and I don't understand how they arrived at that conclusion. Um, and some, and even people who, like, in America are, like, moderate liberals are just like, oh, so Australia Australia has a police state now? And, like, and I've noticed, like, in general, like, there's clearly, I, I think maybe we're just now realising in Australia how different our, well, like, how different our COVID in general and how different our approach to lockdowns has been to the rest of the world. And there's clearly something about what we're doing here like i mean not here because in queensland in fact um it's we're totally free of covid because of our iron border regime um that's me knocking furiously on yeah, wood yeah, yeah. yeah because we are safe because she is strong <laughs> <laughs> um but there's obviously something going on like especially in sydney and melbourne where i believe they have like the toughest lockdowns in the world there's obviously like something happening in australia that's not happening anywhere else so i thought we try and get to the bottom of it yeah yeah absolutely and like obviously there's something happening like magical in queensland as well because every single time it's like looked like it's getting out here it just like has completely failed to spread um yeah i don't i mean i think it just goes to show there's still so many things that we really do not understand um but as i think i put i said on twitter my 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 favorite theory is that queensland's just favored by god and that's really all there is to it um Obviously, Forex cures COVID. That sounds right. Yeah. That's cool. That's really good to know. Yeah. I don't drink... I, I don't think I've had a Forex in ages, though, so I don't well, know. Well, fucking don't get COVID. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, like, what... I think what Australia... Like, partly, I think, because we're an island, partly for unknown reasons, we haven't really had much COVID here. And so it's meant that over the last little while, we've had, like, very strenuous zero COVID, like... A, a strong like zero COVID politics, whereas in a lot of other countries, obviously, it's just like got out. It's been in the population. You can't, you couldn't possibly be like, oh, we're going to pursue zero COVID. Um, they've just tried to do things to kind of like slow the spread, um, which is kind of what I understood we were going to do to begin with. But it now has gone to like, no, we'll have none of it. Um, but so we've got like a really strong zero COVID discourse. We wanted to start talking about the um, the like like a particular genre of it, which is trot zero COVID. Um, red flag, which is Salt's paper, right? That sounds right. I don't understand the the trot realm. I don't really know what the different kinds of trot are, but it sound that sounds like something that it would be. I believe that's right. I don't actually think that Socialist Alliance. Oh God, no! I'm not even going to make statements. Let's just make so them up. Let's just like no, yeah. I, d- I don't think they have a paper. If they do, I don't think it's red. No, flag. isn't it the Green Left Weekly? Yes, you're right. That's the one. That's the one I'm thinking of. So Wait, yeah, is red that not f- us. 
Do we not have green left wheatly? No, we no. don't have a paper. Oh, we should get a paper. We no, we've got a podcast century. because oh. we, um, unlike, That's right. unlike, you know, these... people who like think of themselves as Bolsheviks, we don't think like we think that the world has changed since 1917. That's that, that, like the the paper isn't the basis of the yeah. party anymore. So, what were they saying in Red Flag about the? Well, they've published heaps of articles. Yeah, right? that's, that's like, what they have. The one that got like shared widely on Twitter, um, largely because it had like a an incendiary headline and was like broadly making like a very like classic kind of point about American imperialism, but was was talking about like, well, if COVID was 9-11, do you think America would have not invaded? Like, don't you think things would be different? Um, and if COVID was 9-11 is a really great framing to yeah, any discussion. Really funny. Why didn't they respond to COVID the way they responded to 9-11? The answer is that George W. Bush did not do COVID. <laughs> like for a start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean... No airline stock was shorted the day before someone kissed a bat in Wuhan. Yeah. But, like, what, like, like, what mostly, like, frustrated me about that is, like, well, actually, the response has been really similar in heaps of ways. You can actually, like, you can definitely look at, like, oh, wow, there's been a massive intensification of, like, domestic surveillance. Um, cool. Like, it, there's been very similar things. Like, we've mm. mobilised the whole, like... I don't know about you, but like it seems like we've had a pretty like noticeable like response to COVID. It's been pretty dramatic. Like, like how many people can't move more than five k's from their home? Mm-hmm. Like in Australia, like half the population. So like, yeah, there, there has been firstly a pretty dramatic response, and secondly, it has followed some pretty similar like contours re like the intensification of the surveillance state. Yeah, which is one circle that I don't see the trot zero COVID discourses squaring very successfully among others but particularly the question of policing right like lockdowns Mm. uh i don't think there's such a thing as a people's lockdown like i'm just going to put it out there like it requires surveillance policing and enforcement by the state um which is something the left has historically been a bit sus on but you know you'd think that well yeah like that seems to be a starting clue because like what seems to be happening is that like these the trots in victoria are running a campaign advocating for um like a zero COVID policy australia should adopt really australia has no choice but to adopt a policy of absolute COVID elimination it's called yeah the lockdown to zero lockdown to zero and that also what they seem to what they've done which i think is pretty funny is, is that they've decided that this is the people's position yeah there were some people in like my mentions just yesterday like getting into it um and just going like no 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 You've got to understand here, this is the worker's position and everything else is the boss's position. Yeah, it's it's really classic vulgar. Like, it's so vulgar, like, in terms of the analysis, being like, oh, well, bosses want to open up, so therefore people want to shut it down. Like, it's it, it kind of, like, presupposes the existence of, like, a uniform working class who have political, like, institutions and organs through which they communicate an idea, agree to it, and then take it, like to like the, the the discourse and it's just clearly not fucking true yeah i think that position made sense for about a half a second when the pandemic first hit where we did have the opportunity to save a lot of people's lives or at least stop a lot of people from getting the virus um and it would have necessitated a very quick lockdown where um yeah obviously business was against that and obviously it was in the short-term interests of most people to not have to to yeah stay at home for a short period of time so i think that's where that framing came from but it, it does not work at all like past the period of say a month where something you know locking down does not um that that's not the people's position because people are fucking sick of lockdowns uh and you know as much as like business wants uh wants to open up like most people do as well it's fine it's it's normal to want to have a life I'm not sure if that like is true and that I'm not sure if like more like a majority of people would support an interlockdown. I think like as far as I know, like if you poll people, a majority of people support a continuation of lockdowns. Under what circumstances? Well, yeah, that's the kind of next question. Like and like I don't think a majority of people support, um, you know, like an indefinite or endless. Like a majority of people also support the government's plan of opening up when we get to like – 70% 70% vaccination, which is yeah. perhaps more important for I guess I'm point. saying I think most people do not support a lockdown to zero campaign. No, definitely which is not. Which we're talking about That here. is certainly not the people's position. Well, I haven't, like, seen anyone, like, who, who isn't, like, 
someone who spends their weekend selling a paper, like, meaningfully arguing that it's possible. Like, it just, it looks like it's kind of, like, in the population to the degree that it's just, like, it's it's a really moot point. Like, I, it just may not be achievable. It doesn't look achievable. I don't think it is achievable. Um, yeah, there, and there's been some, uh, I don't know if I would say high profile, but certainly, like, strong arguments about an elimination strategy and, and people always um, point to the example of New Zealand. But as I was saying off air, like New Zealand is a tiny joke country as we've covered on this podcast before. It, it doesn't actually exist. There's 5 million people. It's tiny. Like the like the urban centres are so much smaller. Of course, it's it basically they're all at home, but it's going to be a lot easier, obviously, in that circumstance. You can't keep pointing to New Zealand as though it's an example um that proves your argument like in the vast vast majority of circumstances that will not work uh and i just think it's silly that it keeps coming up someone like was trying to make the point that like like new zealand and australia both have achieved zero like several times as like evidence that it's like a strategy worth pursuing and i was like i think that doesn't really prove the point you're trying to make what it says is that we can't maintain zero Mm. without some sort of like institutional structures which we apparently don't have so yeah, I really enjoyed that argument. They're like, well, we've hit zero before, we'll do it again. I don't, yeah, that seems to prove the opposite of the point that you think it proves. Yeah. And also, I mean, <laughs> the other thing is like with Delta now, lockdowns aren't really working. Like, I mean, I'm sure they're working to some extent and that if we weren't locked down, the virus would be like raging way out of control. But uh, that that curve is not flattening. Like, I think it's 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 just, and, you know, even if say we got down to zero somehow, um, with Delta, there would be another variant. Like it, it's the problem I have, I guess, with a lot of lockdown to zero strategies is that it is not a long term strategy. Yeah, and and that's what like I'm finding so frustrating about it is like it it like obviously made sense. Like when we were looking at Italy and their health system was completely overwhelmed and like people were dying of like completely different like health conditions because the hospital system was overrun. It like it makes a lot of sense to be like okay, we need to like slow the spread of this disease so that we've got time to mm. like beef up our health system. Um, and just, like, have it move through the population slower so that, like, broadly speaking, we just never, like, get completely overwhelmed. But the the way that, like, that as a strategy has just, like, completely been forgotten. Like Yeah, well, I remember when, we f- when it first kicked off, like, all the talk was, like, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. And then we sort of became victims of our own success. We were like, oh, we can actually get that curve down to zero. Okay, now zero COVID is the goal. And now, you know, I actually think pretty clear that that won't be the goal for much longer um i don't know how long it's going to take queensland to to come around to that position i think the example of victoria has shown like how you know it doesn't take that long now to go from a zero covid stance to a like okay you know we now realize we have to live with a virus stance um but it is kind of insane that we're still chasing this parts of this country is still chasing zero COVID. We must be, I mean, we are among the very few places in the world who seem to believe that's possible. I think part of this is just like how electorally popular people who've like had zero COVID mm. in their state when the state elections have come around, like McGowan just like crushing it in Western Australia and Palaszczuk keeping us safe because she is strong mm-hmm. have like clearly been there's like there's two there's at least two things at play here. One is like zero COVID is good because people aren't getting sick and the mm. hospital system isn't getting fucked. But otherwise, it's very good for the people who are in charge of that because they don't actually need to fund the hospital system properly anymore. Yeah, they can just continue to leave it fucking underfunded, completely crap. Um, but that never comes to the, like to anyone's attention because we're not you know actually getting sick. Yeah, and there's like there's a small percentage of people who get absolutely fucked in a bunch of different ways by the border closures. Mm. But everyone else like. And like I've I've lost work because of it personally, but like, and people who actually live on the borders, um, yeah, that but like their lives become incredibly difficult very quickly. But it's just like it's not enough people that it necessarily like swings a, an election or anything. No, no, yeah, there's a there's a small group of people who really suffer, um, and then there's like a larger you know for most of us our lives just get like manageably worse but not not to the extent that we're like so fired up about it um that well i mean it is interesting that we haven't like we had a sort of season of state elections last year i think and um 
I would be sort of interested to see how a zero COVID strategy versus a um, versus a sort of live with the virus strategy would play out now um, in a sort of state election context. Well, broadly, Berejiklian seems to be pretty popular. Yeah, so that's the other thing. And the New South Wales opposition leader now is also supporting, like strongly supporting opening up at 80%. So I think, yeah, there's been a sort of shifting of the tide among the public. Um, yeah, to what extent it was like... To what extent that we attribute, like, McGowan and Palaszczuk's success on, like, there being zero and to what extent it's just that there's a crisis and current leaders tend to be pretty well supported in crises. Well, this is the most Palaszczuk has ever been on TV. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like, easily. She loves it. Yeah. Yeah, she's, um, she, I noticed the other day she's really had, like, a glow up. She's wearing a lot of very, like, glamorous makeup now. She's loving it. <laughs> Queen. But, yeah, like, um, it's also just, like, the states have become relevant, like, much more than they usually are in general. And, like, so, like, because what's happening now, right, is we've got these... So, there's just lockdowns in Victoria and New South Wales, um, which have been going on for a scarily long time, which I... I mean, I have, like... It's actually hard to say. And it's weird to be, like, here in Queensland, all of a sudden having a radically different experience of life to these people in just, like, other Australian cities. Um, it sounds like by all accounts, it's absolutely fucked to be like living through one of these things. You know, the longest lockdown we've had was like, I don't know, not very long. Like six weeks or something, like right at the start. Yeah, like that's that. right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and now like the, and like you can argue about this, right? Because you can argue that like the Sydney government didn't go into lockdown soon enough, which I think is probably true, but also that like their plan is now is to say, well, we're going to race to um, an 80% vaccination rate and we're going to open up. Which countries, like, um, you know, there are other countries that have more or less done that. Um, Israel's done that. Uh, Denmark's done that. I think, like, the English one, I think, is, like, less successful. But, like, there are countries that do that. It's not, like... It's like, certainly I, not, like, a, like yeah. an outlier globally. Like in, no, in the exactly. way that In the way that, like, our very strict lockdowns actually are, like, a global outlier. Yeah. And this seems to have, I think, partly, like... And, like, that's a generally a popular position with the public, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it's not an insane proposition. I don't but think But I think so. partly because of the way this is just... I don't really think a lot of this, like, pro-anti-lockdown stuff necessarily has, like, an obvious political valence. Like, I don't really think there's a left position on the lockdowns. I think people maybe want there to be a left position. I don't think there is one. Um, I don't certainly don't think it's like the people's lockdown, but I don't particularly think it's like the boss's lockdown either. Um, but because of the way it's fallen out as like a, just a labor versus liberals issue, it's become like, like I, I think a lot of people are backing themselves into positions. Like I think a lot of people are finding themselves feeling like they have to take a strong stance against opening up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think, like, one of the strange, strangest parts that I find about the trot zero COVID stuff, which I'm going to pause for a second and distinguish that between uh, the other strand of zero COVID discourse, which is, like, the Guardian zero COVID, like, drip Twitter centrist small L liberals who are pretty pro-lockdown, pro-elimination strategy, anti-opening up. Um, and for them, for, for that group of people, I do understand it. It seems like more of a natural political stance in that they love being scolds and cops. And yeah. they but loving scolds and cops, they like work in knowledge industries and yeah. their jobs have actually, if anything, got more comfortable because yeah. they can do it and like hang out with their cat. There was an article in The Guardian a few weeks ago that was like, um, secretly I pine for another lockdown, <laughs> um, which is probably one of the more tone-deaf yeah. things they've published. These, um, these people are perverts. Yeah, they're sickos. Um, yeah. And they, they hate fun and they hate joy and they are secretly very bitter, angry, unhappy people and they think other, everyone else should be they the lo- same. They love the lockdown because they can just look out their windows and just like see people breaking rules all day yeah. and nothing nothing gets them off quite like seeing like <laughs> someone else break a rule. Yeah, this is an outlet for their natural author authoritarian tendencies i would say but i do not understand really like how that the radical uh, left yeah like ha- exactly Aren't like where that's supposed fits. to be anti-cop well exactly like- so so i don't get that and my own position um which I, I agree matt i don't know that there is a left position on lockdown or a right position on lockdowns 
But my own position is that it's really fucking strange for like so-called left-wing people to be anti um, human joy and connection and just sort of uh, very um, sort of suspicious of people who want to like live lives and connect with other people and see their friends and, and the level of like scolding and, and blaming that goes on around like there was a tweet recently that was like imagine wanting to get on the beers when not everyone's ex- vaccinated it's like well but we're human beings like of course we want to get on the beers getting on the beers is it's good also like like what the fuck are you mean like all anyone in lockdown tweets about is fuck i wish it was friday and i was getting on the beers with my mates yeah. like uh, it like it's just very like a, this very kind of um uh moralistic tendency uh that i hate yeah i mean and like what what the like the the trot like zero lockdown people would say in response to our criticisms leveled here would be like I just can't believe there's a pro death left mm. you know like <laughs> I just can't believe that there's people out there who uh, want everyone to die so that the bosses can make more profit mm. and um, that is my position <laughs> want to be really clear I am the pro death left I thought you said you weren't going to offend anyone on this episode oh no um. I'm going to offend everyone. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to offend everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you misheard. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm... No, my position on the lockdown, um, I think we should abolish the police, uh, but I think we should have an extra strong lockdown, but it shouldn't be enforced by the police. It should be enforced by the community. <laughs> it should just <laughs> be a, a community organising lockdown. Well, I read um, I read one of the pieces in that Red Flag had published, and the guy was, like, talking about... He was talking about his... It was, like, that classical, like, macho radical left thing where he was talking about his dad, mentioning that his dad was, like, a lightweight boxer um, and that, like, you know, asking his dad as a kid, like, well, how how like how come everyone's in the union? He's like, well, just everyone's in the union. He'd be like, no, but how come, dad? And, like, he wouldn't respond. Eventually, the father was like, well, I'll tell you why. It's because we beat the people up after work if they're not in the union. Like, we just fucking beat the shit out of them. Um, and, like, talking about, like, how, how great left, like like, community kind of policing is in that way, like, as a way of, like, maintaining solidarity. Yeah, but I think we can all agree that community policing in lockdown fucking sucks and is the worst. Well, we've seen it, right? And, like, community policing is largely, like, like someone, like, sighing at you when you're not breaking a rule. Like, you know, when, like... Like at the moment in Queensland, we don't have to wear masks unless we're inside. So if you, but if you're outside and you're not wearing a mask, but other people are wearing masks, then someone's going to be like, <sighs> and like that's that's what community policing really is. It's like someone getting shitty at you. <laughs> well, the other thing that comes up here up here is the idea of uh, just pay people to stay home, right? And like, look, something that's really conspicuous about this second wave of the you know the Delta variant is like. Job seekers fucking gone, and yeah. there has been no push to like bring back have another wave of like raising job seeker and like supporting, you know, like there is just to like bring back any of like the systems of support we like briefly had for the first wave. Like, mm. there's just it's kind of accepted now. Like, no, 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 like that's done. Like we've you've we've used up the state. We somehow used up the state of exception. Yeah, we, we'll use not the state of the sec- exception in the way that, like, it helps people. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, well, I, I think with the pay people to stay at home thing, obviously I agree, um, and that should be that should be just automatic with any lockdown. Um, and, I, you know, I hope we'll have much uh, fewer lockdowns in future, but in li- all likelihood we may have to go through a few more and that should be a part of it, um, that people should be paid to stay home. But... I see it often get, getting thrown around as like, this is the answer. Like, this is what squares the circle of lockdown and the fact that lockdown is shit. Like, pay people to stay home and that will make it okay um, that we're locking down. Whereas I think that's not the case for many reasons. And one reason is just that people don't want to be locked down anymore, like paid or not. Um, I would very strongly suspect that a lot of, especially young people, would actually rather open up um even if they were getting paid to stay home. After a certain point, of course, like yeah, a vaccination. Like maybe if you're getting paid $100,000 a day or something, but, like, it's a, I think it's a very, like, fully automated luxury communism form of argument where, every, like, every opposition is just met with, like, well, after the revolution where there's just, like, an infinite cornucopia of bounty, that problem will go away. It's like, well, okay, like, how... Like, you're still at home, right? Like, yes, I'm... Yes, I'm in favour of paying people, but, like, 
how much would we have to pay people for how, like some you know that would that would still be a very different way of living than just like not being in lockdown. Mm. And I think like what I found frustrating about this is the the way that like the zero COVID kind of thing. Like being like, but, but it's okay. We can argue for this because we're arguing for like you know proper like proper support payments for people at home and all this sort of stuff. Obviously, like just looking at how it's going really gives the light at that situation. Being like, oh yeah, but like we don't have that. Like people, like people are being locked down and living in fucking poverty payments. These people can't pay their rent. Like the lockdown isn't like stopping transmission anyway, particularly in like working class communities. So like, why why would it be diff why why would it be different if they if we don't actually have the power to change how this this whole like operation's going, so like why why are we like saying it should be this way when we clearly can't fucking do anything anyway? Mm. Yeah, that's sort of. I mean, we're saying off air that the the trouble with any sort of like article or think piece that is like, oh, the left must do this, this, and this is like, well, no one fucking cares what the left thinks, even if you can define the left as something which you probably can't. And that's the thing about the sort of pay people to stay home thing. It's it's not going to happen. I think we can pretty it's much not be happen- clear on like, that. Like people have like the left has been saying people should be paid to stay home the whole time. Yeah. So, but that's not happening. So. We can say zero COVID should be the dream as much as we want as well, but like it's fucking not happening either. So yeah. what's what's the fucking point? What are you hoping to achieve here, other than like carrying water for like an intensification of policing, which is what lockdown has fundamentally meant to most people. Like most people have experienced lockdown as an increasing of policing and the police presence of their lives. Yeah. Well, like the whole logic of uh, a socialist left as opposed to a liberal left is that like you don't advocate for things just like because. Because they'd be good. It's not just a matter of like we're going to insist that, like we're going to try and make people bad until feel bad until they do the right thing. It's not a matter of like we're in favor of the most virtue. Like we're going to achieve social change by making people more virtuous. It's like we're going to build power by organizing on a class basis, mm-hmm. and then we're going to use that power to make demands. Yeah, and, and first, like the existence of a lockdown, like makes it harder to build power. And second, like, your demand on capital can't be, please block me up. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of, like, the difference between, like, writing a lot of frenzied articles and papers that no one reads and uh, building power is, you know, like, who has been building power and organising socially is the anti-lockdown movement. <laughs> like, uh, well, like it or not, like, that's they have uh, captured the very real discontent and frustration that people feel about lockdown. And um, they're mobilising and... Like, I so far can't see any evidence of any kind of elimination mobilization. It's the first, like, like organic social movement I've witnessed. I mean, and I think uh, even door knocking, like, I don't think I've run into any hardcore anti-vaxxers or anti-lockdown people, but uh, I definitely sense that people are just fucking fed up with it. Like, I door knocked to seven, no, 83-year-old last weekend and... Um, you know how, like, on the door knock list, you can see people's names and ages. It's electoral data. And I was like, oh, man, it's a 83-year-old. This is going to be rough. Um, but she was lovely. I, we had such a nice chat. and But she was just like, nah, fuck it. I, lockdown's bad. It needs to, like, the mental health effects. No one's talking about this. Like, we're human beings. We need to be connecting. I was like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and, like, that's, that's the other thing. Even just, like, the – because I saw the thing that probably, like, has upset me most during this whole, like, thing we're seeing someone being like we're probably gonna have to wear masks forever and i was like what like like i think the mask is so damaging to like general like anonymous conviviality conviviality mm-hmm. in the city like it's like s- such an important part of like i think a left politics is the idea that you like n- like smile at strangers you don't like like, no, I disagree. I'll never smile at a stranger. <laughs> no, like, like, but like, you, it, it happens all the time. Like, I think, like, I think you'd probably do it more than you realize, right? Like, you, like, you know, for whatever reason, like, your your hands touch over a meat pie, and <laughs> yeah, that happens to me every single day. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I, I do know what you mean. And even um, I was just saying the other day that because uh, door knocking, I guess, is my main <laughs> my main uh, means of you know being out there um, communicating with people outside of my general social circle and how strange it is to think about the fact that prior to March 2020, uh, I used to end every conversation like by shaking someone's hand and it was really nice and I never had a handshake refused or anything and um, it was just a nice way to like seal off the conversation and now thinking about it, it almost feels like 
dirty. Like, imagine shaking a stranger's hand. That would never happen. May as well lick a doorknob, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, like, I really miss, like, like when you get coffee or, you know, buy your groceries with the counter. Like, there's, there's just, like, I miss being able to, like see the like the facial expressions of the person I'm having these like really mundane experiences with and like I think conviviality and is a really important part of of constructing collective identities and and like a collective political project and I think yearning not to have that is clearly a like it's exactly what capital would want right like I think I think what's been frustrating is the way that, like, yeah, the bosses fucking want us to open up. But you know what the bosses also want? The bosses want us to, like, not be able to, like, socialize in any context. The only things that we are able to do is go to the shops to buy fucking cheap consumer goods or go to work to produce value. And that's that they've got the lockdown they wanted. And when we're calling for a new lockdown, we don't have the ability to produce the lockdown we want. So we're going to continue, like, allowing our whole culture to be shaped by these like overdetermining laws that prevent us from fucking engaging with each other as people. And I'm, mm. I'm crook about it. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. Like the, basically the, the left zero COVID strategy or argument from both the guardian and the trot. And um, I just keep seeing it as like a handshake meme uh, is a very cold technocratic view of politics. That's, also, I would say not rooted in reality in any way, like A, the reality of, uh, you know, the toothpaste being out of the tube when it comes to Delta, um, that we're not going to get back to zero COVID. And also the reality of how human beings operate, like how our lives actually work, how we function as emotional beings, social beings who need connection with other social beings. Um, like, yes, in a very sort of cold, rational sense, it would be ideal in scare quotes for us all to lock down indefinitely until we absolutely stamped COVID out around the world. And then we could all go back to our lives as normal. Like everybody would want the end state of no more COVID, but like, you know, for obvious reasons, that's just never going to happen. And <laughs> The main reason is that we aren't cold, rational beings. We're social beings. We're humans. I do think there is a point where like, if you look at the really the hardcore anti-lockdown people or the full like COVID deniers, right. Or like the, I don't know. There are these like the these the, like the cosmic right kind yeah, of Yeah, the real on COVID. cosmic rights. Or the there's a lot of people actually I don't know if it's a lot of people, it's a lot of stickers up. Um there's like a big but like I get the sense that it's like it might just be one guy putting up all of these stickers. <laughs> is this the too- White Rose guy? I don't think so. I don't know what that is. There is, is the, the White Rose is the group that's putting up a lot of stickers. They're using okay. the White Rose, which was like I think like a like resistance movement to the Nazis. So yeah. it's like, I yeah, think it's yeah, pretty fucking stuff. offensive. Yeah. I think we um, talked about this in a, a briefly on our last show, actually. Anyway, yeah. We're go- talking about the, get the clot shot. Like the, the, the banner image from the last thing was a, like a white rose sticker. Uh, sorry. Go on. Mitch. And like, there's a level there of being like, well, look, COVID does exist. You know, like there's a, Oh, it does exist. Yeah, exactly. It will kill people. It's like actually yeah, exactly. quite bad. Like, and I, I think there is like a point here about like, like a, an open question of to what degree, like in this debate, I think there's a, a open question of like, to what degree is all of these you know deeply shit restrictions? Like, I think lock, like lockdowns are definitely bad, and I think the people who not so secretly enjoy them are perverts. I think it's also like the question is like, to what degree is this actually imposed on us by like, um, you know, just like an, an act of nature, like by the existence of the virus mm. itself as opposed to the degree to which it's imposed on us by the political will of, like, the ruling classes or whatever. Yeah. Well, I um, think, yeah, that's... And there's, like, a bit of both. It's an important point, and I, I think I want to kind of engage maybe more substantially with what you said before, Deck, is about the, the pro-death left. <laughs> yeah. um, because the fact is that, like, opening up, even at 80% vaccinated, means people are going to die. Like, it is true. That question of, like... What is the acceptable risk? Like, you know, at what level are we willing to um, forego, you know, some people's lives in order to get the majority back to having something reasonable, you know, resembling freedom? Everyone's probably going to have a different answer to that. Um, As a society or country at the moment, we seem to be saying 80% vaccinated is our threshold. And I think that's broadly sensible. Um, I don't think it's very useful to go on about how many people are going to die when you open up even at 80% because uh, I guess, yeah, I I guess like just 
on a social level, like we seem to have turned the corner where we are no, we're no longer able or willing to lock down indefinitely. And I don't think lockdowns can be an indefinite strategy. There's no way to square that circle between opening up and death, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, and I don't really have an answer for it, but it is going to happen. Well, what I, what I found really weird is the, the kind of the emergence of this discourse that there's like there's no acceptable deaths. Exactly. Like, well, that's what yeah, I'm yeah, getting yeah. to. And yeah. it's like, it's, that's clearly not true. That's what I'm getting to. So, yeah, I, like, <laughs> you know, like it's been used quite a lot, but the flu analogy is a good one. Like every year, I think in 2019, like 900 people in Australia died from the flu. It was a really yeah. bad flu season. So we should go into lockdown. But no one suggested so locking zero down. Zero flu. Yeah. But like, but like we... People like made fun of it at the start, um, and I was always really smug because I've always like held this opinion quite strongly. But everyone was like, "Well, what about traffic deaths, right?" And I was always like, "Yeah, but I've I've also thought that that's really bad, and we've organised our whole transport system around like twelve hundred people a year just fucking dying." Mm. Um, and I think it's insane that we've like we can accept that. But also, I've never ever heard that the left take up like Mm-mm. like traffic infrastructure as like a like a serious vector of fucking death no. like in our society but it is so i don't think it's an inherently amoral or anti-left-wing position to say that there's a you know as a society we can bear a certain level of risk and, and a certain level of death in order to ha- to organize our lives in certain ways that vastly benefit most of us and allow us to do and the things fact, we need to like- do Inevitably, we do all the time. Like, well, exactly, was, it is already just, happening. It's yeah. sort of a like, point. We we always have. Like, yeah. like there's never been a point in in human society where people haven't like been killed occasionally. Like, whether this is like whether this is like people getting killed when they try to hunt like a saber toothed tiger, or whether it's people like 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 think about how like cheap life was for people in like like who were like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess I will just join the Roman army. Like, like people just have been killed due to the social structures that exist for all of human history and it's probably going to continue. And again, I think it's like a fully automated luxury communism style of argument where it's like, we, we should insist on the abolition of death. <laughs> like nothing else is good enough. Like nothing less is good enough. Like all, all we demand is the world. And like, really we, you know, like we should have the ambition to call for an end to death. Yeah. It's, I, I so, it, it's such an adolescent politics is, it is. is my response. It's just, like, yeah. Like, People die, death is bad, therefore we need to adopt an anti-death position. And, you know, that's even leaving out, like, all the externalities of lockdowns, you know, with regards to, say, like, suicides. Um, but anyway. Well, suicides haven't argument. gone up under Well, lockdown. not yet, but I think we're probably reaching... <laughs> well, they haven't. Though. Well, no, they haven't because like, we've been in lockdown for, like, a manageable po- portion of time. I think that's now getting to become an unmanageable portion of time. Um, and I don't know the data exactly, but there was something that said, you know, at one point in the New South Wales lockdown recently was the most um, calls that the suicide prevention hotline has ever received in a single day. Oh, yeah. Look, mental health got dramatically worse. So I think I think you're right. I, so I know that suicides haven't like, gone up yeah. yet, but I don't think if we continued in lockdown that that would continue well, and, to be the case. Again, this is what's frustrating. It's because, like, obviously what... Like, the argument isn't lockdowns always bad, should never happen. It's just that they need to be part of, a, like, part of a strategy which involves, like, returning to normalcy. And mm. what, like, what I'm getting increasingly, like, stressed about is like an emerging discourse that a return to normalcy is never going to happen. And also that it's wrong to want to return to normalcy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I get, like the one thing I do want to say, like the thing that where I differ with the list, like Glenn Greenwald, American liberal take on the Australian lockdowns, um, which is that it's like, it's concentration camps and it's like, um, you know, it's the end of freedom. And like, and I really did like get hung up on them calling quarantine facilities concentration camps, like, and making that explicit like Nazi comparison because that's not correct. But like, people yeah. just love to compare shit to yeah, the exactly. Holocaust, hey. And it's, this is like, very, like, very particular set of like historical conditions that people are just like, oh, no, no, everything else is just like that. And it's but really the, like, my I think there has to be somewhere, like, somewhere in your politics. There has to be room. You you have to be able to say, well, okay, there is a, like a a trade off somewhere in here, um, and there is like some degree of freedom that's worth giving up for some degree of security. And mm. like you know, like I think if we just opened up everything tomorrow, we actually would have an unacceptable level of deaths. Yeah, I don't think that's like. But I also think we were talking a little bit about this off air. But I think there are aspects of lockdowns that can't really be defended on those grounds. Like I don't think that every 
lockdown and restriction rule has been about public health. Like the example I used before was when we um, in Queensland had a, like a three-day lockdown in January over a single case and we all had to wear masks in our car. I don't think that was about public health. I think that was about enforcing civil they obedience. Be, yeah, they do seem to be doing weird shit. Yeah, and I think that the playground ban, playground ban in Victoria is another example of something that, um, as far as I know, and I, I never heard any epidemiologist or public health expert sort of say that it was based in any any evidence it was more just like a um a pre a preemptive thing being like these will probably be transmission sites so we should shut them down don't think it had any effect on on anything um all it did was make a lot of parents lives really really miserable so i think i don't know but i see a lot of lockdown measures on um as being um, authoritarian, as having at least an authoritarian strain and not being purely about public health as much as ideally they would be. Well, like, it's clear that, like, like there's a there's a level of arbitrariness with with all kind of rules. Like, like I think to enforce, like, to, to, to have any rule that's enforceable, like, you need to have, like, a relatively, like, clear, like, is that within it or is it without it, which involves drawing, like, a line somewhere, and that's always going to be mildly arbitrary. But it's been really clear that the way that, like, a lot of these laws, like, lockdown kind of, like, rules have been created has been about like facilitating like the policing of lockdown far more than they've been about public health Mm -hmm. Um, and what that's kind of led to is like people find it really frustrating when they can tell that the law is arbitrary Mm. because why like like wearing a mask inside my car like obviously isn't going to do anything to prevent me from getting COVID and so that like breaks the trust in the institutions more broadly and really it's like leads to like leads to like more non-compliance further down the road and that's like that's something that they fucking know but haven't like like been taking seriously i guess i don't know i mean there's always been as well a huge double standard like with regards to what is and is not sort of covid safe and what counts as social distancing like i remember um last year i think it was right after we got out of lock oh god i can't remember but anyway sometime last year it was in um an office building going up in the lift and there was like four people in the lift were only supposed to have five uh, sorry there were i was going to be the fifth, fifth person getting to the lift there was only meant to be four and i was like oh i don't know should i and one of the guys in the lift was like oh i was at suncorp stadium with twenty thousand people last night like we'll be fine <laughs> and it's i mean obviously it's slightly different because it's enclosed space versus outside blah 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 but you, you know you're still like that is a double standard Twenty thousand people in a stadium being crushed through the same exits and entries is not covid safe quote unquote um and we've continued to have like mass events in Queensland pretty much the whole time. <laughs> the rules have a very made up vibe. And like like one of the things that's happening with the border closures is there's a bunch of people stuck in Jindabyne who are down there working on the snowfields who only had accommodation like through the ski season. Um, and now like there's people from Queensland down there who like aren't allowed to get back into Queensland, even if they like have accommodation in Queensland. Like, yeah, the border stuff is really fucked up. Yeah, and the border stuff, and like, you know, I live near, I live near the border in the Gold Coast, right? And like, the border just runs right through Tweed and um, the other city that I'm calling out. That's it. Mm. And there's like, any number of people who literally live on one side and work on the other. It's like half the teachers at um, Coolangatta State School like aren't there. Um, yeah, like the, that. That is probably like where if you live there, it's most felt yeah and like you know people are insanely pissed off about that as yeah as i can totally understand and there's you know every few weeks there's some case in the media about like some really egregious um you know something that really should where they really should obviously bend the rules like there was a baby in lismore who needed urgently needed a brain scan and lismore base hospital doesn't have the right equipment so they need to go over the border um to like the gold coast hospital but if they got to the Gold Coast Hospital because all of New South Wales is being treated as a hotspot. Um, even though they're in northern New South Wales, if they went into the Gold Coast Hospital, they would not be allowed past the emergency department. So they couldn't even take the baby up to the brain scan machine. Uh-huh. Stuff like that, um, I think, you know, like that's an example, but I guess that I'm using it to support my main argument, which is that I don't think all lockdown rules have a basis in public health. No, and there's a lot of cases like that that don't make the news that like I've just heard about through various means that are like, yeah, I think it really speaks to one of the big things about the lockdown is the the lack of state capacity to actually like. I think you you need to build state capacity to process exceptions, basically. Yeah. And there's a million exceptions, and there's a million people who like 
for one reason or another, like, it's totally fine to let them through the border. Um, there's really as well, like, I think that, if you, like, the mayor of the Gold Coast called for the border to be extended further south, which I think needs to happen. Yeah, like, regardless seems, of COVID, Queensland yeah. needs to take more territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this oh, is yeah, our chance. Yeah. What's, what's COVID? <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, a, you know, there's a town on the border, right? Like, what if that whole town was just in one state or another? Like, there's all these things about, like, we run into, like, the actual capacity to make decisions and to, like, form a clear body of law about something is is part of just, like, building the capacity of the state and, like, properly funding a bureaucracy to actually process these things. Yeah, well, it's a question of, like, what is the state's role in all of this? Um, and, yeah, one of my many problems with the pro-lockdown position is that it's, like, yeah, the state should be in an enforcing role and I don't really see many um, people in the zero COVID camp talking about like the problem of say like hospital funding or you know the the actual the, the structural causes behind you know why we've had to pursue COVID zero so um, frenetically is because we our hospital system sucks shit and could not deal with um, COVID cases even like non-life-threatening COVID cases that ended up in hospital. And and like what happened was we like we were t- we were sold like original lockdowns as like what we're going to do is lock down hard, like like just write a blank check for the health system and then open up in such a way that like we're not going to be overwhelmed. Mm. And mission creep is just like yes. has just been like it's just been what's the defining kind of like yeah. like logic of the of the period. Because it's cheaper just to lock down than to than to spend massively on, on the health system so that people can get back to some level of normalcy, but we're not gonna be like totally overwhelmed. Because employers don't actually mind if everyone's like locked down and can't go and visit their granny but can no. still like go and buy some like. As long cheap as you're furniture. working and buying, all good. Um, the other thing what you were talking about before about like just some of the arbitrariness of these rules is like I think this is connected to why the like the cosmic right are able to recruit like meaningfully in this time is like I, Channel 7 were playing some like footage of like a kid's skate park like where all these kids had their bikes and they were playing but no not allowed and so that like the states come in and put like huge concrete barriers all over a skate park and stuff like that and it's really obvious that if like, if the only people saying, hey, this is fucking nuts, like, all the evidence we have is that, like, children aren't as badly affected. Most of them not likely don't have it anyway. Like, what, like, this is obviously not justified. They're outdoors, like, riding bikes. They're not, like, kissing each other. So mm, They probably are, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> these kids were pretty young. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely have kissed. I kissed in the skate park when I was a teen. <laughs> <laughs> Classic teen behaviour, <laughs> kissing in a skate park. Yeah. Um, but that was pre-COVID, so, you know. <laughs> it was allowed. There's nothing but, wrong with you know, it. like, if, if the only people saying, hey, this is insane, are, like, are the cosmic right, and the left is saying, well, actually, this is good and right, these children shouldn't want to have fun to begin with. And also, like, you shouldn't drink beer. Yeah, no, exactly. You should like, not want to drink beer. Yeah, if you want to drink a beer right now, a cool with refreshing your friends beer, at the pub, you're not a, a good fucking look. fascist. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. It's well, it, we're kind of getting back to what we were talking about before. Like, it's fine to be a human being who wants to join social connection with other human beings. It's not politically suspect. Uh, the best, w- contrary to other arguments out there, the best way of like being a human in the world and expressing solidarity with others is not to stay at home just reading Capital Volume 3 every fucking day. But, like, I do think one thing that the cosmic right can do that we can't do, and, like, even, you know, anyone on the left can't really do is say that COVID does not exist. And that does, like, that is a political problem. Like, you kind of think, well, okay, obviously this, like, lockdown pervert sentiment is wrong. Obviously someone on the left needs to be saying, like, look, we, you know, need to be standing up for free beer and playgrounds. But, like, one thing that the right can do is just say, yes, COVID-19 is, like, does not exist uh, it was invented in a lab by Bill Gates and so on and so mm. forth. Yeah, you're right. And it's, I mean, it's like I said before, it's an uncomfortable position to have to occupy where you're like, look, I know people are going to die, but I still think we have to open up. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
and you know I'm taking that stance here. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people are. Um, well, that's you know effectively that's what we are doing by opening up at eighty yeah. percent. And there's the polling um, that I saw most recently said you know that at least a plurality of people did support that. It was the most popular position um, among the ones that were presented. Very few people think we should lock down to zero. Um, yeah, but well, like in we, the countries where yeah, like um, Israel's had like seven thousand deaths total, which is not that many really. Like. It's not, you know, nothing, but, like, the the argument that, like, actually, yeah, like, every death is, like, every life is meaningful, like, it's, it's somehow morally wrong to count the number of deaths, because, like, one death is as bad as a thousand, and a thousand is as bad as a million. I don't think that works, like... Yeah, that's not... <laughs> yeah, it is adolescent to think wrong, that way. Incorrect. You know, we just have to... <laughs> part of being on the left, I think, is taking a sort of social view of things, where we kind of approach these issues as a society, not as a collection of individuals. Yeah, knowing full well, right, that, like, you could be amongst the people who yeah, fucking get unlucky, absolutely. and being like, well, look... Look, I'd really rather it wasn't me, to be perfectly honest, but, like, I would rather die than, like, every single person in the country had to, like, live a shadow of, like, a shadow of, like, the possibility of human life. We've all only got one. So, like, like, the sacrifice of two years, really, of, like, a, like, incredibly stultified and, like, limited version of, of, like, humanity is... Well, fuck it. It is worth a few deaths, right? Like it, it is. Yeah, obviously. But we already we already think that. Like we, we already sell, do think we that. sell alcohol. We know people yeah. like drink alcohol and like either drink themselves to, to an early death or they like you know fall off a bridge or whatever it is. Like there's heaps of things that we allow people to do because we know it's like part of the like the depth and majesty of human experience mm. to fucking take a bit of MDMA and heroin and have some fucking like really fun drug sex before you die. Like we accept these things as like kind of fine. Yeah. And I, think, I also think like the the thing that often gets lost in zero COVID discourses is that COVID is not the black death, right? Like if you get it, chances are you'll be okay long term. Well, like I think I think long COVID is actually certainly probably more scary to me than yeah, like, me too. Yeah, but I dying. think that is quite rare. It's not that rare. That's it's like, like one in five. Well these are genuine this is well, like, like various there's various estimates, right? Yeah. And like this is the thing, is like to and I think this is kind of like what's what's frustrated me about this debate is that people keep being like, oh well, it's actually this, it's actually that, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. like kind of making it be like, well, look, to even be able to have any of this discussion, you really need to not just like be a public health expert, but a public health expert like like working all day on un- every day understanding this, and you don't need to be a public health expert to say some people should die so that everyone else can get on the beers. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's true. Yeah, I do think that like that's. Like I was saying... Which is a narrow framing oh. and not like a, a good representation of my text, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is just like, there is a difference between like one in 10 people get this and one in a thousand people get this. And like, I like even like with regards to long COVID as well, like there's like, there's some evidence to suggest that it's actually like pretty common and pretty serious, but I don't know. Like, I, I do think you reach a point basically where... Like I was kind of saying this before, like off camera, if that you do have to, like, if you're not a doctor, it it's kind of hard just to have the political conversation without also having a conversation about like the medical side of it, and mm. you kind of can't do that. I guess that's true. I, I suppose we have now reached the point with, you know, we have a vaccination or several vaccinations that seem to work reasonably well, and there's yeah, you're right. That getting into the weeds of like medical. Risks is not what we should, you know, what, what we on this podcast are going to do because we have really no idea. But I think there's a there's a few like basic sets of facts we can all work with, which is that the vaccines work well, not perfectly, but well enough to justify some yeah. kind, kind of opening up. And I, like I think in terms of like what we actually think the government's policy should be on the coronavirus, um, I think we're like I broadly I think they're correct to open up around seventy eighty. I don't know exactly whether like. There's the there's presumably some kind of like wiggle room in that question, which I'm just like I don't know, like I, how would I know that? Mm. Um, yeah, like that. And there's some sort of ongoing restrictions in that context as well. Yeah, that, like, exactly. Mitigate yeah. against some of that parts of it, yeah. etc. I mean, a lot of it is um, unknown still. Like uh, you know, as we were saying at the top of the show, like no one really knows why Delta hasn't taken off in Queensland. Yeah. We have no idea. Like a lot, and a lot of it seems down to chance as well. It's not you're never going to be able to perfectly model these things ahead of time. Which is kind of as well, like, so much of this conversation is just, it's either people just becoming 
armchair expert. Well, it's people becoming armchair experts in a context where it actually matters, though. So that's the thing. Like, you can't. Everyone's got their own take on COVID, and it's really a you know a big machine that produces takes. Um, it's definitely something where like a lot of people have a lot of uh, very deeply felt positions on COVID um, that are just all over the place in terms of what they are. But it's also a case where like actually, you know, the medical facts about the virus are like still, we still don't really know a lot about it. Mm. And actually those are really important. It's a case where just these like these really quite basic facts about a, a disease work become political questions. And, like, that really proposes a challenge to almost anyone's politics unless you're willing to just go, like, even if you are willing to just go, like, fully, like, no, like, the Illuminati invented this, that still proposes, that's still a problem for your politics and you will probably die of COVID. Yeah. But, I, 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 yeah, I guess I just don't think, like, one of the things that has been kind of coming up in this discussion is that I, I don't think there is such a thing as a disease or anything, really, that's not political, right? Like, like... I think a lot of the elimination strategy or argument relies on this idea that like this is just a medical problem requiring a medical solution. And I don't think that is what a lockdown I – don't, I don't think that's true. Like, I, and I think that framing is harmful um, and ignores, you know, all the things we've just been talking about. There's that really good um, piece that, that um, Chinese communist group Chuang put out um, called Social Contagion, like – kind of at the start of this epidemic which was like mm, like was yeah, re- I remember that. yeah it's this like wonderful polit- like political economy of like infectious disease um and like drawing heavily on other work but it's basically being like well like the way that capitalism like continues to like firstly just like churn populations through each other at like incredible like pace is obviously really ideal conditions for breeding covid but secondly like industrial agriculture and continuing to expand into new terrains is like like the whole thing is just designed to create zoonotic transfer so like what we've what what we're looking at over the next little while and this is why i'm so concerned about the zero covid stuff is like like probably more like an increasing kind of pandemics because we're we're really like moving to the edges of the ecosystems all over the planet in the context of like mass migrations caused by climate change and saying like the toothpaste is going back in the tube we're going to have a strict border regime even though we obviously don't have the social power to enforce say like everyone's getting paid to stay at home here so we don't have the social power to enforce a non-fucked like border regime so like this is the context in which we're this is the context, like the political context in which we're operating. And I think that really changes a lot of the calculus. And I don't need to know shit all about like how the disease behaves to to think about it in that way. Mm. Well, do we want to um, maybe finish up by talking a bit about the border stuff? Because I think that's a really big hole in the elimination discourse <laughs> that deserves to be thoroughly. Well, it's uh, so weird to see destroyed. such a like non-internationalist take from these organizations that just like like well i'm talking about the trot ones here like just like jill themselves to completion all day every day about how internationalist they are <laughs> um, i enjoy your using of jill although i use jack off as like a non-gender specific term <laughs> yeah i like i like jill off i think yeah. it's, i think it's, i think it's quite funny yeah. um but yeah okay, like we, yeah like ob- like e- even if zero covid was like an effective national strategy, which I like, don't think it is in Australia, but it may well be. I don't really know. Um, it looks like it may well be in New Zealand. Who fucking knows? But it's certainly, like, almost obviously not at an international level. So then what? Yeah, well, that is uh, that, and that's a question I would really like to hear someone who, um, you know, is a proponent of say like the New Zealand model of lockdown answer, you know? Well, and like, wh- what but like th- what they say is, Oh, we like, we expand our quarantine facilities to allow us to like, in- and like, and, and expand our like refugee intakes. And it's like, but we're not influencing our own society on our own terms. So like, why? Like that, that's a fantasy land. Like, we're not doing that. People aren't getting paid an acceptable level of a doll in our lockdown. So why would we be able to like, why why would we be able to change the like the border regime? And like the argument as well is that like, oh like it's already xenophobic and racist and like why like it's not like the left supporting this is going to like escalate things in any means, which is like <laughs> which is obviously not fucking true as well. That is uh, such a naive 
view. <laughs> well, like, it already has escalated, yeah, right? Like, yeah. we're not letting Australian citizens re-enter the country. Oh, like, no. that's that's new. Like, that's yeah. a new xenophobic COVID-related fucking escalation. And, like, just pretending that's not happening is so fucking stupid. Yeah. I mean, this country, we already know about our sort of border obsession. And I just don't see how you think that intensifying that, no, no matter, like, what sort of, as you said, Declan, like, quite... Uh, shall we say, optimistic policy ideas you have about how this, you know, this isn't actually a problem um, because you're going to expect, you know, have a really good quarantine system. I just don't see how you think that uh, in- in- intensifying this this border obsession is going to be good for anybody. Like it's, it's not only going to be bad for like our refugee intake, which is already fucking awful. And, you know, as you said before, with the um, climate crisis is only going to get worse, but it's going to be like bad for people who haven't had it bad before. Like, you know, white Australian citizens who suddenly can't travel in or out of the country. Like that's shithouse. No one should be defending that. Anyway. Yeah. Like also wouldn't a, wouldn't a genuinely internationalist take be that like we should have no vaccines because we just <laughs> give all of the vaccines to the entire developing world where they don't have any like i've seen a few people arguing that but it's not mainstream yeah well it, it does seem that like you know first like i mean the only reason that that's not mainstream is because it's a hard spell sell but it is like from any kind of objective globe like if, if i was in peru that would be my position <laughs> well like to, to a meaningful extent right like preventing it like so like having like a huge unvaccinated like global population where it circulates is like really good conditions for like maintaining it forever. Cause we're going to keep developing these new fucking varieties, et cetera. So like, yeah, like there, there's a pretty good defense for that claim. Like it doesn't, it just seems like this whole thing is, is conditioned on, you know, just acting like Australia is the only country. Like mm. it's just take, like, like so much of the actual COVID story, especially like now that we've have vaccines is the story of, all of the developed countries getting massively vaccinated and then just building like a iron wall around themselves and telling the rest of the world to go fuck itself. Which is really like worrying in yeah. the critical decades before the biggest mass migration, like in, in the history of the world. Like that, yeah. that's such a concerning fucking thing. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. And I think we just keep coming back to this theme of like, uh, what is an ideal world situation? What is the reality of the situation we're facing? Well, and I don't think there's any way you can argue in the real world that uh, like having a really hard border and quarantine facilities and like policing that and being like super obsessed with it more than we already are is going to fucking benefit anybody, least of all um, refugees. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking this now, but presumably what we should actually be doing is building like um, – massive vaccine manufacturing capacity um and then developing our own vaccine and uh well either that or just i don't know pirating the pfizer one which i don't know if we could do that and be cool though um but also just like taking the uq vaccine i think is now coming online a bit more and just saying like building just like Cuba would share one of theirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I was going to say, I think you're proposing the Cuba model. That's true. Or, yeah, or you just go to Cuba and be like thanks like Cuba or or we just like, I don't know if the Chinese one works, but... No, apparently it works really well. Because that, that's what they... Well, I was talking to um, a friend of ours from Pakistan, who, and they obviously all have side effects there. And it seems he was saying it works really well. Hmm. No, like, I had heard that it didn't work that well. Maybe that's just like CIA propaganda. Almost know. certainly. <laughs> President yeah. Xi, we do not believe that. <laughs> but like, really, from that point of view, right, we should just be building, you know the greatest manufacturing capacity in the history of the world and then just giving it to everyone in like South America, India. Yeah. And I like, think that that's like, that's the thing is like the, the response to COVID is the same as the response to climate change, which is like, all, like massive, massive socialization of like public goods. And our ability to do that is being restricted by not being able to see each other's faces when we buy groceries, you know, <laughs> like, like, at all these different scales, our ability to act politically is being limited by by lockdown and like and and by lockdown discourse and lockdown culture, um, at a time when it matters. Yeah, and I think it would be interesting. Maybe this is something we've already touched on quite a couple, a few times in our um, state election, post state election episodes. But 
It'll be interesting maybe after the federal election to talk about like what are, what are the very real effects that lockdown has on grassroots political organizing in this country because like I saw a tweet the other day um, probably from one of our listeners I can't remember who it was but um, they were like there's no like this federal election that's coming up is really depressing for the Greens because we're so locked down that they won't make you know they we the the, the Greens won't make any progress anywhere except Brisbane where, you know, we, we aren't locked down. Um, so this, in many ways, lockdown is just a gift to like the ruling order. Well, of, of course it is. And this is why, like, I hate this, like, bosses don't want us to lock down thing because like bosses run, like, like the analysis is that like bosses run the world, right? So like they, they locked us down. Mm. So that's like, that just gives the light of that. Like they, there's obviously like heaps of things they love about lockdown. Yeah, it's like like the Leo Panitch idea of like a non-reformist reform, right? Where you like working within like uh, liberal democracy, you like bring in reforms that empower the working class to like bring in more reforms. Like a lockdown is not exactly a non-reformist reform, right? Like it's not something that like it's not something that allows you to build more working class power. Yeah. Maybe demanding like, you know, more money like if you were able to do that, which you're not, like, demanding more... Yeah. People have, haven't won it, can't win, can't win it, good yeah. luck, keep trying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't say that the initial rise to Job Seeker was really one-off. No, exactly. Abroad. <laughs> it was more just, like, the government being like, okay, we need to do something to, like, keep people sort of sane and compliant and not starving to death. And now, in second round, as you said, Matt, they yeah, well, sort of they've don't realized, care anymore. Yeah, they've just decided, like, fuck it. Yeah. Um, they're just like, now nah, we're going to like take the risk on that one. Yeah. Which so far seems to be you know yeah. paying off. I don't see any you know mass uprisings. Well, because what they saw was that they've got like a political culture where people like love, just like love to enforce rules. No. And like, I don't know, I guess like so much of modern liberalism is built around like the um, lesser of two evils thinking. Like that's really the entirety of like, post 90s left liberalism of like is that certainly the entire philosophy of the labor party and so there is a point where you get into a lockdown it's one of these perfect like lesser of two evil situations and like what you get then is you get people who love being in them basically yeah i think that's really insightful actually yeah and like i'm probably like i don't want to fully just be like that like that never exists because I, th- I think there is like a, a left backlash to that which is just like no we can actually always have both actually there's never a trade-off but I, I do think that like that is the case like you know we we kind of have this political you know th- this politics that really like thrives on these kinds of situations um well on that note we've been running for a while so maybe we'll leave it there unless yeah. anyone has Key thoughts. I, you know, this was very cathartic. So I think this was a good idea for an episode. Um, got a lot of, a lot of thoughts that I've been kind of posting in my mind, but not on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the most, yeah. The most powerful kind of posting. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think consider giving us extra money on Patreon for all the people who are about to drop out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to drop out of the flood Patreon, um, just go to my Patreon for just being a good boy. I don't produce content, but. Just the more you donate, the better of a bo- the better of a boy I am. Patreon.com forward slash Matt Holton. Yeah, the good correct. boy. <laughs> yes. the, the boy Matt Holton. Yeah, that's it. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.